My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. All right, Summer, today we are going to talk about emergency funds. Yes, we are. I'm excited to dive into why these are important and how everybody needs to have one. Great. So I grew up on a potato farm in Idaho. And farming is a little different today than it used to be. Today, farmers farms are a lot more corporate. A lot of the small guys are getting eaten up. But in the old day, there were a lot of small farmers, and sometimes there still are. And their farming can be quite volatile because it's based on food prices. And you could have like a really great year where you sold your potatoes at a great price, and then the next year food prices are terrible and you're not even, you're selling your potatoes at a loss. I remember one year the government paid my dad to dump potatoes in a field because food prices were so low and the government was trying to bring the supply of potatoes down just so they could get food prices back up. So it can be quite volatile. And there was a family that I grew up with and they'd had several bad years of potato harvest, you know, and that's what their complete livelihood is dependent on. They're totally broke and in lots of debt. And they talk about all the time about how their food storage and emergency funds saved them during that time and that they were able to just live off of their food storage and it helped them get through those terrible years. And then they had an awesome year and were like rolling in the money because they sold their potatoes at the exact right time. So that's an extreme example of people's income being really volatile and really dependent on the economies, um, how they're going. Um, but that's a good example of why it's so important to have a backup plan or emergency because for the what ifs of life and the what can happen. Totally. And I think right now, most people, a lot of your average Americans, we have are on salary. We have a pretty steady monthly income that we receive, but emergency fund is still so applicable because everybody has something come up that they don't expect or aren't aware of. Just last week, my husband and I were driving home from Las Vegas and my air tire pressure light came on. And so we pulled over. Of course, I have a flat tire. We got it into the shop and they said, you know, you need to replace not just one tire, but two tires. And I know you've experienced inflation lately. These things are super expensive. So we had to pay for these tires to be replaced. That's not a normal cash flow item that I'm paying for every week. And so I thought, oh, this is stressful. I have to, you know, dish out $500 to replace these tires. And on top of that, my husband, we get home and his car starts having issues. We're like, are you serious? So we take that into the shop and they're like, yeah, you know, $600 of repairs. So just in one week, we have $1,000 of car repairs. And Thankfully, I looked into my emergency fund and we had plenty of money there to cover this no problem. And it didn't upset my cash flow. I could still pay my bills. I could still go to the grocery store and I didn't have to worry. And that is, to me, such a valuable part of having an emergency fund. I don't want to have to worry if something like that happens. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And an emergency fund uh, is usually about three to six months of expenses, but it can kind of vary for people depending on how reliable their income is or what expenses they expect to come up. And it's just the money you keep in cash there and available for you. And I find a lot of people say that it's very hard for them to get that a chunk of cash saved up and then to keep it there. And Summer, you are working full-time, but your husband is going to school and works part-time. So you're still students. You're still kind of living the student life. Yet You have an emergency fund. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's hard to keep it up, but I think I just say, you know, I this is my amount. This is the optimal goal I have to have in that account. And so if it falls below that, then I just kind of chunk money into that to get it back to that comfort level. And when I see that amount of money in my bank account, I feel like at peace, like this is good, this is great. But getting there is is a challenge to even get there in the first place. And I think you just start little by little. So maybe you start with three months, like that is my goal, right? And hopefully you can get more like six months. That's a little bit what I'm more comfortable with, but it kind of depends on you and your like you said, your income and how stable that is. But start with a small goal is what I would say. And that's kind of how I got to building up to be a little bit more of a comfortable level for for where I am and what I like. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody once say it like this, that you're just delaying gratification for a short period of time so that you don't have to be in severe delay of gratification later or in severe debt. So it's a couple months of maybe a tight budget. Well, maybe not a couple months, but several months of a tight budget to get to your emergency fund. And then it's there and it gives you that peace. And Totally. And you will use it. I think that's important to know is that everyone has emergencies, right? We all have something unexpected come up. And some people call these a rainy day fund because it it doesn't have to be like you're on the side of the road with a flat tire. It could just be like, hey, you know, um, we had this unexpected expense come up and we can put money towards that from our emergency fund or rainy day fund. So it can be used for a variety of reasons. um, And yeah, so I just think that's an important thing to keep in mind. I was talking to a friend once and she says, well, I can never have an emergency fund because it's constantly getting used. And as we dove into what she was using it for, I was like, well, that doesn't count as an emergency. You just have not the correct budget because she was using it for things like, well... Uh, regular repairs on her car. Like, you know that your car needs to have its tires replaced. I don't know how long, how often you need to replace tires. I don't know. I'm not a <laughs> car person. Year, I don't know. Something like that. Like, yeah. Every few years, every you got to replace years, your tires. Yeah. And so you should be saving up for that. And your car has regular maintenance. You should be getting an oil change. Right. You should, um, you know, at what, at 50,000 miles, there's repairs they recommend at 100,000. You should be saving for that. And so there can be a difference between expenses that are totally unexpected, like an unexpected flat tire or unexpected car repairs. But then there's also the car maintenance. And that's not an emergency. should not come out of your emergency fund. Other things that I've seen people use their emergency fund that are probably not appropriate is, well, we would like to have a new couch. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have to be replaced, but we'd like a new couch and we have this money in our emergency fund. We're just going to use it. Or this friend, another thing she told me that she used it for at one point was um, her her finances started getting a little tight because she had gone on some trips with her friends and she's like, well, I don't have money at the end of the month. Now I need to use my emergency fund to pay my bills. 
And so sometimes not having a proper budget or not saving for your other goals can cause you to have to dip into your emergency fund. Totally. And I think, like you said, you got to be careful there. And some people use this emergency fund as just like this big bucket of savings. I prefer to split out my savings accounts. Like I have a travel account. I put money in there for traveling. And then I have my emergency fund, which I'm like, this can't really go below this limit or else I feel uncomfortable. I feel like if some emergency happened, if I got taken away in an ambulance and I needed to pay for a lot of that uh, the medical bills or whatever, I wouldn't feel comfortable with this lower level. So if you have an emergency fund and you're using it as kind of a big bucket for other savings, like a new couch or whatever, just keep in mind, like you got to define that limit of, Hey, I really can't go below $15,000 in this account. That is set aside emergency fund. And then if you're using the account as a pool for other things, just just keep that in mind. Like I said, I prefer to do the separate, but not everybody's that into the details. So yeah. So we have an emergency fund and a sinking fund and our sinking fund is for things we can plan for. Like, and we, this should be a whole nother episode, but our house on your house, you have regular repairs it's part of the cost of being a homeowner. And so typically the rule of thumb is you should save a dollar for every square foot. Mm-hmm. So we have a house sinking fund where we're selling, saving a dollar for every square foot every year into that fund. So when things come up, the summer was crazy hot and our AC oh, went yeah. out <laughs> right in the middle of like a hundred degree heat wave, which in Utah is crazy hot. Yeah. But I saw some people in Arizona that are like, that's nothing. <laughs> but for us, we were really hot. And our AC went out right in the middle of that, and it was $7,000 to replace. And I could have used our emergency fund. I think that would count as an emergency. <laughs> but we also had our house sinking fund. Which is great. We didn't have to touch the emergency money. Yeah, I agree. That is a great topic. We can talk more about that in another podcast. But totally. Just having that, that, like I said, that limit is so important to find, you know, what is three months of your spending? What is six months of your spending? And and sometimes that's a hard number to find out, but I think you just do your best and figure out, you know, what are your fixed expenses? Kind of what do you pay for groceries? And you can really determine that number, you know, what should be in that account. Yeah. Um, So my mom, one time I was talking to her about emergency funds and she's like, well, I'm just really worried about like, you know, the world ending. (laughs) And so what if, you know, banks aren't around, then what should we do? And I'm like, well, that's what your food storage is for. And so some people, and I've had this conversation with actually a few clients that they would like to have some of their emergency fund in food. And we saw that during COVID, like wouldn't have hurt to have a stock of toilet paper and (laughs) a little bit of food because the grocery store shelves were starting to get empty. Uh, so you can do it as part of, it could be also food storage as part of your emergency money and a backup plan. Like I said, in that example of a family in my community, they lived off their food storage for over a year while they waited for food pri- potato prices to come back. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because we live in an apartment, so we don't have a ton of space for a huge food storage collection, but I totally agree that 
even we can be smart about um, spending a little extra when we go to the grocery store. My mother-in-law taught me this trick. She's like a food storage queen. So we go to the store and if you see some like canned foods on sale, you just buy a couple extra. Just try and do that every time that you go to the store. And so now I have a one of my cupboards and it's pretty well stocked with things like canned beans and um, canned vegetables, just those types of things. And yeah, it, it would definitely help us out if we had some sort of emergency come up. But my husband and I always joke that our goal is if we had some sort of emergency, our goal is just to get to my mother-in-law's house. She lives <laughs> about 60 miles away. So we have a, an emergency like backpack with food for three days. So if we had to get there on foot, we could make make the journey and uh, she has enough food for like the whole neighborhood. So we could we could make that happen. But even even if you don't have a lot of money or a lot of space, you can definitely invest in a little bit of food storage, which totally can count as part of your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. My husband and I talk about this a lot. He works in cybersecurity and he his Um, previous position was disaster recovery for a hospital. So he's helping them come up with a plan. And here in Utah, we live on fault lines. So potential for a big earthquake. And so that was like the main disaster they were preparing for is what if we have an earthquake? How do we keep the hospitals up and going Um, internet wise and technology wise? And then of course they're working with the doctors and nurses for their plan and setting up secondary hospitals, all this stuff. So he talks all the time about all the disasters that might happen happen. And earthquake was the big one, but there are other things like the internet going out. And uh, so if the internet went out, most of us use debit cards and credit cards. And if there's no internet, those don't work. So it's important for you to also keep a little bit of cash on hand at home. Not a lot because... I personally keep losing cash from my house because I put it somewhere <laughs> safe and then I don't know where it's at. Yeah, agreed. I, you know, in Texas recently, they had those crazy <clears throat> energy power outages and um, the ATMs were out of service. So it definitely can happen. That was last year. I'm not talking like, oh, 30 years ago. That was last year. So agreed, you should have a decent amount of cash available. And I keep a little bit in my car. I, <laughs> Maybe that's not smart, but just a little bit in case I'm stuck somewhere or um, yeah, some at your house if you can find a spot where it won't get lost. Yeah. Probably like a week's worth of groceries and yeah. little extras, probably all you need. Because um, there's a reason we've all moved to plastic. It's easier to account for and less likely for theft. Totally. But I think that's a great precaution that you brought up and, and everybody should apply that as well. All right, Summer, where should you be saving your emergency fund? I am so glad you asked. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. (laughs) The best place, in my opinion, to save for an emergency is in a high-yield savings account. Nicole, do you want to explain what that is? (laughs) So... Normally at your bank, like a brick and mortar bank, you're not getting a lot of interest. Some may, but usually you have to go to an online savings account to get a little higher yield. And they can be paying significantly more than your savings account at your regular bank. And you just set one up online and you can link it to your checking or your savings. You can transfer back and forth. Uh I, so you just do some research. You can just Google high yield savings accounts. There's lots of different websites out there. We'll link to like Nerd Wallet and Bankrate. They have some really good lists. Of, you know, they kind of like source. You know, yep. they get paid on ads. So just be aware <laughs> of that. Um, and just look for FDIC insured. 
And um, most of them, if it says FDI insured, you're probably okay to do it. Some people like to go with banks they know better. Yes. And also look at kind of their uh, specifications on the account. This is one of my favorite things about online saving accounts. So I'm young. I like technology a lot. I don't like brick and mortar banks. Honestly, I haven't been into one in years. Mm -hmm. I've done all my banking online. So I'm a huge fan of a high yield savings account online. But make sure that when you're looking at your high yield savings account, you're like, they sometimes will have a minimum. Like you have to have this much in your account and you can only take out this many times. And I'm kind of like a snob about this. I'm like, if there's a minimum, I'm not opening an account. (laughs) And if they are trying to limit how much I can pull from the account per month, not interested. You don't have to be quite as harsh as I am, but definitely take a look at that before you fine print. Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure like, Hey, it's, pretty easy and they don't have you don't have to hold like a hundred thousand dollars in there or something ridiculous because I don't know about you but I don't have that in my high yield savings account so yeah and uh here's where you shouldn't put your high yield savings account or sorry this is where you should not put your emergency fund is invested in the stock market <laughs> yeah you know, it, you are giving up some return or some interest on that money by not investing it but what that money is there for is your insurance or and your backup plan. And you don't want to have it unavailable or at a loss. Like the stock market is down right now while we're recording this. And so if you had a big emergency that came up, like you lost your job while the stock market is down or you had a big health emergency, you'd have to sell out of your stocks while the market is down. And you want to avoid doing that because then you're taking a loss. Now you've lost money instead of made money. So your emergency fund should be somewhere safe and that can allow you to invest other money if needed. Yes. And so important piece to remember is that at a high yield savings account, there's a locked guaranteed interest rate. It can change. It can go up and down, but you're never going to, well, you really should not lose money in the high yield savings account. I've never seen that happen, but I am young. So Yeah. yeah. Saving usually are stable, (laughs) but the stock market is much more volatile. So just be aware that the high yield savings account is safety, 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 safety. That's what you want for an emergency, right? You don't want it to be volatile to go up and down and to worry about when you're going to take it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've talked about emergency funds and, um, I think the big thing is just, you know, making some sacrifices in order to build it up and have a safety net in place. Um, so uh, the story from the Bible, Joseph in Egypt, you know, he had the dream that a famine was coming yep. and that there would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. That's essentially what you're doing with your emergency <laughs> fund is life is not even. You have seven years of good and seven years of bad. They might be one year of good and 10 years of bad. I don't know. <laughs> But during those years of good, um, years of plenty, I think is what it says in the Bible, that you make some sacrifices and you save. And you can kind of smooth out your your spending and your um, your consumption. There we go. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. And just like how in the Bible story, Joseph is able to provide security to his family. That's exactly how my emergency fund is for me. When I see that number, it's like a security blanket. I'm like, okay, the world is a mess. But at least when I go in and I see that, I know if I had some financial hardship come up, car breaking down or some crazy thing you weren't expecting... 
then I have um, something to lean back on and to be there for my security, which is obviously super important and probably means a lot to our listeners and um, just to most people in general, just having that sense of security. Mm -hmm. And it's totally worth making sacrifices for some years to get that built up. Yeah. So anyway, well, I think that concludes the uh, this episode of our podcast. Uh, we're excited to dive into our next topic and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do, visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.